All right. Welcome back to the Clemson Crew podcast. STL, we're doing a podcast and you're on it. And we are in the self-feeder series as we try to care for and equip students as they're uh, just trying to not just survive, but even thrive in this coronavirus context and, and living back home, a lot of them. And, uh, and so I'm excited about getting a chance to hang with you today, my friend. So go way back. I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit. Okay, so my name is T.L. Berry, and Weston and I first met. We were both students involved with crew at Clemson. So I remember even though Weston was probably about 19, 20 when we met, he looked about 12. And uh, so it's good to see him grow up over the years and develop this beautiful beard that he has now. So um, anyway, but yeah, so we were on staff. Uh, my wife Haley and I were on staff for 14 years with crew, 11 of those up in uh, East Tennessee. And then our last two years on staff here at Clemson University. So uh, we're still here in Clemson. Um, I'm in the Generation Link program right now at Cross Point Church and looking to uh, finish a degree in biblical counseling and hopefully be available to, to help students and, and other, other believers in the area uh, further in biblical counseling in the years to come. Yeah, that's uh, nothing like a, a pandemic to drive up business for being a counselor. So, I know I need to start charging. So. <laughs> yeah, that I'm would work in your favor. Mine right now, yeah, yeah. There you go. You can still you can feel free to send me money regardless of whether I'm meeting with you or not. Though that's totally acceptable. Okay, good to know. Um, all right, so I am excited to have you share about a passage that's been pretty meaningful to you recently. And I think it's going to be really meaningful to our students. And so, you know, we're, we're done meeting on campus for the rest of the semester, but TL, we actually had you on the docket to speak is either this week or next week anyway. And uh, so, yeah, to get rid of me. It's true. It's true. Um, But yeah, I would love for you to just kind of share a little bit of your heart in this passage and, and kind of why you chose this passage. Sure. So the passage we're talking about is Mark chapter five and uh, the first half of the, of Mark five in particular, uh, if you read verses one through 20, you, you get a story that is in multiple gospels. Uh, so obviously this was a well-known story and it was something that I believe obviously must've been impactful to the early church, considering that again, it made it in multiple uh, gospel accounts in the Bible. And it's the story of the demon-possessed man that Jesus, with his disciples, he crosses, um, he crosses uh, the Sea of Galilee. And uh, when they get out of the boat, they find someone they just call the demon-possessed man. Uh, this is an interesting account because while we are never told the name of the man, oddly enough, we are told the name of the demon. Uh, or legion, because uh, there are many demons within him. So that's a that's a funny little quirk in this story. But as you read the as you read the passage, Jesus he he comes him and he and his disciples come across this demon possessed man who is is suffering that he is has been driven away from society. So this this guy he was facing social isolation as well, although uh, his was his was more. Uh, forced because of, of who he was, um, he had done. You read this. He had he had uh, torn and 
torn chains and just wreaked destruction. And so that's why he had been ousted from, from society. So this guy who, who is his in isolation and you see even in this passage, just some of the negative effects of that isolation is he can, he is the demonic oppression on him continues to, to spiral downward to this point uh, of, of just, sheer pity really as you as you think about what a terrible situation this guy is and so that's the that's the scenario in which Jesus and the disciples find this find this uh miserable guy in in this state of of demonic depression and yet in the midst of that Jesus shows up with with the ability to change this man's this man's situation and alter the trajectory of his entire future and that the opportunity to see the hope that's in this passage that Jesus can overcome you know, this this tremendous enemy that um, that he is facing again in the midst of the demonic oppression, but even in the midst of his own sin, that Jesus is able to step into that to bring healing and and as I said, change the trajectory of this guy's life. And I think one of the things, and while Jesus changes so many people's trajectory as, as he brings healing in their lives. I think one of the, the unique twists at the end of this passage is what also is what also draws me, draws me to it. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. What, what is unique about the end of this story that maybe is a little bit different than uh, uh, other stories, other accounts that we find in the gospels. So much in Christianity, I feel like, especially over the past decade, I hear a lot about Jesus. Jesus just wants us to go follow him. Jesus just wants us to to move, sell our possessions, follow him. And and there is an aspect to where we are called to always follow him. Jesus tells us to take up our cross and follow him. But the interesting twist in this story is when you go down to verse 18, um, again, the, the demon-possessed man is healed. Jesus cast the demons out of him, oddly enough, into pigs that, that then go drown themselves in the lake, um, which really brings a lot of financial ruin to, to the town that they're outside of because these pigs were worth a lot of money, and now they're, now they're gone. Um, but while the townspeople are basically scared of Jesus at this point and ask him to leave, the demon-possessed man, who's no longer demon-possessed, he wants to follow Jesus. And it's interesting in verse um, 18, it says that he begged him that he would follow, that he would come with Jesus. The twist is that in verse 19, you're expecting Jesus to say, yes, get in the boat, come follow me. As Jesus told so many other people, come follow me. But here he doesn't. In verse 19, Jesus says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy upon you. So here Jesus gives gives this guy a different command than than what we see in so many other places of no, don't don't come follow me. And uh, I'm sure that must have been a shock to to this guy. I would think it would also be a shock to the disciples that are with them because Jesus had told these guys to come follow him. That seemed to be Jesus standard operating procedure and yet here he breaks with that because he has a different a different plan for this guy, and he wants him to to serve him in, in a little bit different way. 
Yeah. So how do you see that kind of interplaying with the current scenario with our students? And so for, you know, for a lot of students, I think about even a lot of our freshmen who have gotten plugged in this year, maybe just started walking with, with Christ this year. And uh, really it, we're, we're right kind of on the, the precipice of spring break and getting ready to go down to Destin and enjoy this time of community together. And then the day before, literally the day before we have to call that off. And uh, since that time, you know, it's kind of everything's been canceled. And so um, now you've got students that in an, in a similar way have been driven maybe into isolation themselves, been kind of driven back home, um, whether they wanted to be driven back home or not, and uh, or maybe experiencing some similar isolation. So, how do you see this story and the gospels related relating back to uh, this current context for us? Well, in thinking with the the concept of being a self feeder, in my opinion, a self feeder is somebody who is pursuing Jesus, worshiping and obeying Jesus. Uh, regardless of, of their circumstances. And, and as you uh, move on through your college career, as you leave college, enter the workforce, go into full-time ministry, whatever it is, as you begin a family, you're going to have to continue to be a self-feeder where you are pursuing Jesus. You are seeking to worship him, irregardless of your circumstances. And that is a struggle, especially for us as Americans. We, we feel so entitled to getting the outcomes that we think we deserve. If we, if we do the right things, if we study hard, if we go to the right schools, if we apply for the right internships, if we save enough money, then everything's supposed to work out like mm. we want. And we get, you get everything. You, you yeah. can have everything. That's, that's really the American myth right now. And it has been for a long time. But the reality of the story is that's, that's just not true. I mean, there are some people that they do everything right and seemingly terrible things happen to them. Unforeseen events alter the rest of their life and the lives of their families so that they can't obtain that American dream where they have everything. And that's part of living in a broken, fallen world that we don't want to take into account oftentimes. Even this pandemic is a great example of things not going according to plan. You know, in, in the book of James, James talks about, you can plan and say, we will go here, we will sell this tomorrow, but ultimately it's if the Lord wills. You, you can make plans, but God tends to have a way of changing plans oftentimes. Um, so I, going back to the idea of being a self-feeder, we have to recognize that ultimately we are finite creatures who can only exert a certain amount of influence over our over our environment and over our, our surroundings and over our future. And we ultimately have to trust God with it. And, and to be a self-feeder, we have to, to come to grips with our, our creaturely limits and accepting of, of who Jesus is and that he is, he is Lord of all things. And I think you see that in this passage with the demon-possessed man where Jesus had a plan for him to be a self-feeder. And the plan for him to be a self-feeder was to follow him by going the opposite direction. Jesus, Jesus, after this, gets in the boat and he crosses back across the sea. He leaves him. The guy has to go back to his hometown. 
and and to live a life that I'm sure had to be very strange for him to pick back up and for the people around him. I'm sure they were scared of him at first. They were maybe waiting to see were the demons going to come back? Was his his demeanor going to change? I'm sure there was a lot of hesitancy and a lot of fear in those folks. So I'm sure that had to be a very awkward circumstance. But yet, as we as we read, it says that he went away in verse 20. This man went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. So he, he was obedient to do what, what Christ called him to do, to go and share what had what had been done for him. And it made an impact on people. We don't know if they believed per se. But we know it impacted them because it said they, they marveled at his story. And they obviously had seen the results of, of the pigs that had gone and drowned themselves. And they had seen how he was different because of his encounter with Christ. So I think, again, going back to the idea of being a self-feeder is one who is pursuing Christ and worshiping Christ, irregardless of, of their present circumstances. Yeah, I think that's really a helpful word, just thinking about expectations and unmet expectations right now. Again, I think about, um, you know, freshmen that had every intent of spending the last six weeks of their first school year with their friends that they had made and, and in that community. And I think about our seniors, about seniors who have been at Clemson for four or five, maybe six years, and uh, uh, have put in the work, and now they're ready to walk across the stage and uh, shake President Clement's hand and get a diploma, and and now they don't get to experience that in front of their family and friends after all this work they put in and, and kind of missing out on some of that celebration. And so um, that's a helpful word, I think, just in kind of processing um, how to deal with unmet expectations. And especially, I think, for us in a culture that uh, has an entitlement problem, which is ultimately a heart problem, but certainly in our culture, very prevalent. So that's, that's helpful. Sure. I guess one thing I would add to that, too, I think an angle to look at this when it comes to our worship and being a self-feeder is the idea of, of fear. Because if you look at this passage, one thing you're going to see in verse, verse 17 of chapter 5, talking about the, the guys who were watching the pigs, it says, and they be, well, this is about the, the town people. They come out, they see the, the havoc, if you will. And in verse 17, they began to beg Jesus to depart from them. So they're, they're asking Jesus, please, please leave us. Um, this idea of begging um, has, has very... In, in the original language, there's a, there's a very strong connotation. There's a force behind which they are, they are begging him to leave. And if you go back even up to verse 15, again, it says that when they saw what had happened, they were afraid that there's a fear there. The word is a uh, phobeo, which is where we get phobia from. They were afraid when they saw what, what had happened, but what were they afraid of? Ultimately, I would say they were afraid of losing more of their wealth. They had lost a good chunk of wealth in the pigs that had drowned. It wasn't a fear of God that they had. It was really a fear of losing more of, of, of their possessions. Um, you know, right now is, is a great time of fear. Like what's going to happen in this pandemic? Like, am I mm. going to get sick? Is somebody I know going to get sick? There's a lot of fear that comes with what, what could happen. Um, let me share with you one of my fears that I have of something that could happen. 
Um, I just changed my background for those of you who aren't, um, <laughs> who, who are just listening on the audio, but for those of you who are watching this, I got the background of Death Valley now uh, on game day, Clemson football. That's a, that's a real fear that football season might get canceled. That's a legitimate um, fear. It's a legitimate fear. And so with that being said, uh, this, this may not occur. And um, so for me as a fan, you know, that's, that's really scary. But not only that, you think about um, the economy here in Clemson, how much of the economy is, is suffering even in this town because students are gone. If football doesn't happen, I mean, that's millions and millions of dollars that go out. So there are a lot of things that we could say we could be fearful of looking ahead to the future. But if we step back and take a look at things through the eyes of the demon-possessed man in this passage, if you look in 18, you know, he has a different – where these, these the townspeople were afraid of Jesus and they begged him to leave. In verse 18, it says that – he begged him that he might be with him. So both, both groups were begging, but they were begging for different things. One group wanted Jesus to leave, but this man wanted to stay with, with mm. Jesus. And so what I would say is I think there's also a fear that's involved in this, but I would say it's a fear of the Lord that this man is, is referencing. And uh, his fear was to not, not have Jesus in his life. Um, Jesus had totally changed the trajectory again of, of who, of where he was going and who he was. Um, he was fine to lose his old way of life and receive something new that Jesus had for him. Mm. His old way of life was very much um, bondage, torture, pain, suffering. It's very clear from the text. That's what he had experienced. And so he was ready for the new life that Jesus gives him. Mm. For us, oftentimes, though, we're afraid to lose the things of this world that we find comfort in, that we find pleasure in, that we find solace in. And that fear, the fear of losing these earthly things, oftentimes can keep us from having a fear of the Lord and following him and worshiping like we should. And, and, and um, not fearing the Lord will keep us from, from becoming a self-feeder. So, again, I think we can look at this text and we can we can see two different ways that fear interplays. and and really unearths what we worship and you're going to have to get the worship question right are you worshiping christ or are you worshiping this world that's again that's going to impact are you really a self-beater or not yeah yeah so here's maybe another question with that tl as as we kind of ponder those things and and uh and, and the question of worship and all that there's also a sense in which this man goes back into his hometown with a sense of purpose and opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so I'd love for you to maybe even touch on that briefly, how that relates to our students. Now, you know, again, when Jesus says, no, you can't come with me, he could have gone back sulking, discouraged, disappointed, uh, isolated. Um, I'm sure it wasn't easy for him to go back and be around these people that, were totally put off by him previously. And so talk a little bit about in, in isolation or in unmet expectations, seeing opportunity, seeing opportunities for mission, even within that. Yeah. John 14, 21, Jesus tells his disciples that if you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will do the things I tell you to do. Um, 
oftentimes in our culture, we think of love as, as a feeling. It would, it would be a noun in, as a part of speech. But so much of the time in the Bible, love is more of a verb. It's, it's what you do. It's your action. And even right there in John 14, 21, it's an action. You love me if you keep my commands, if you do what, what I have told you to do. And we see that with this guy. Jesus is very clear with him. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. That's a very specific command that he gives to this guy. And I think if you, if you look at the two grace commandments that Jesus attests to, uh, Matthew 22 is, comes to mind off the top of my head, where he says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, those are two general commands that are pulled from the Old Testament that we know are, are true for us. It's what we're supposed to do. And I think a part of loving your neighbor as yourself is this command here to go and tell how, how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy upon you. I think the sad truth is the, the reason I think that we, I'm including myself in this, struggle to, to fulfill this part of the command to love our neighbor is that we oftentimes have forgotten or are unaware of how much the Lord has done for us, of how mm-hmm. he has shown mercy upon us. Um, sometimes I think, you know, I have three kids and sometimes when we show them grace or mercy, when we should punish them, they act as if they deserved it. Well, mm-hmm. of course you weren't going to punish me. You should always show me mercy or not follow through. It's like, no, that's, that's not true. We do that sometimes uh, to show you grace and mercy. You don't, you don't deserve it though. It's, Grace is a gift. It's not, it's not an obligation. And in seeing that with my kids from a discipline standpoint has, has helped me see how I do that and how other adults around me do the same thing, but we just do it with God. Oh no, you're obligated to do this. And the problem with that, with seeing it as an obligation is that it loses its punch. God did not have to show mercy to us. He did not have to show mercy to this guy. I mean, you look at the story, Jesus crosses the lake, gets out, heals this guy, and then basically gets in the boat and returns. Like this is all he does. Mm, yeah. It's all he does. And Jesus knew what was going to happen. But for this guy, it was worth that trip for Jesus to impact and change this one guy's life. And in turn, you know, who knows how many people that he in turn impacted. But, but again, going back to the idea of a self-feeder, I think another aspect of self-feeder, you're going to continue to worship, to worship Christ and to fear the Lord as you reflect on regularly how much God has done for you, how much he has shown mercy upon you. And I think one of the ways that we can begin doing that, practically speaking, is to confess the sin of not recognizing it, of glossing over it, of forgetting it. Um, if, if we really were more and more cognizant of what Christ had done for us and the mercy he has shown us, we would be much quicker to, to share that with others and have the, the, the name of Christ on our lips. Yeah. That's self perspective. I, I think, especially as maybe we've got a little bit more time on our hands, we're not um, as overwhelmed with uh, the, the number and, and I guess the, just the, the weight of the task that we would normally. And so maybe we've got more of an opportunity 
to to ponder these things and to ponder God's faithfulness. I think yeah. for some of us, that's going to be a real battle to do that because of the fear factor. And, um, you know, how, how can I see God's goodness when all I see is, is fear um, and, and things to be afraid of? And, um, and yet there is an opportunity there. And that's something that will even, I think this is a great segue is, I even think about what's going to happen later this week. We'll have the opportunity for students to, to film themselves doing a one minute Instagram story of uh, how they're seeing God's faithfulness in the midst of the coronavirus. And um, even thinking about maybe their natural bent towards fear, their natural bent towards control mm -hmm. um, or isolation or whatever it is, but seeing the Lord, um, how the Lord is meeting them and then having the opportunity to share that through social media or share that with, with those back, uh, back home and, and being able to, to live life on mission, even though it, it may be virtually, even though it, it may be while they're in quarantine, um, to still have the opportunity to do that. So um, I appreciate you being on with us today. Any, uh, we've got maybe just a minute left. If there's any other concluding remarks, any last thoughts that you have, just uh, you want to communicate to these students. Sure. Um, while, while we are unsure of what our future holds, and, and that can produce fear and anxiety, we have to remember, though, what, what he has done in the past. And if, he is, if you are a child of his and he has saved you, he is giving you the gift of, of salvation that, that attests to his goodness, to his kindness. And, and while the, the rest of the road, so to speak, uh, of your earthly walk in a broken fallen world is going to be bumpy uh, that's that's the one thing i can guarantee you is that there will be difficult times that will come uh the good news is it's not going to be like this forever and that we we can trust we can trust him and what he's up to even in the midst of difficult times you know jesus calls us to worship him in ways sometimes that we don't choose or would be our preference but we have to trust us for our good and that he's going to be glorified through it you don't, you don't get to choose, you get to choose, make a lot of choices, but the ultimate results are, are out of your control. And so I think to follow the, the lead that we see here of the demon possessed man, that we will, we will trust God and we will step out in faith and do what he's called us to do. Um, even though it may not have been plan A, B, or C, <laughs> he's good and that he's going to bring it about. Um, he's going to bring about his purposes one way or another. And we get to be a part of that just like this guy was. So, uh, so to look at your fear, to see what that reveals about your worship and where you need to repent of that. And then ask him to, to, to write your heart, to, to remind you of, of his goodness, of his mercy he's shown you and seek to worship him. And in, in, in doing so to go out and tell others what, what Christ has done for you. Mm, that's great. Well, thank you for being with us, my friend. Um, enjoy a nice day. Yeah, enjoy a nice day on your porch. And uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll we'll keep doing this. We'll have you on again. So. Okay, that'd be great. Hopefully, I'll get to see see you guys uh, in person in the flesh. Hopefully soon. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. All right, man. All right, Appreciate it. thanks for your time. Yeah.